Welcome to the Think Data podcast brought to you in partnership with DataWorks. If you want to stay up to date with the latest breakthroughs and trends in the world of data and artificial intelligence, and if you're curious about some of the strategies that companies and founders use to launch data and AI products, then you're in the right place. Our aim is to bring together a diverse lineup of fantastic guests from the founders through to accomplished leaders and product owners at some of the most fascinating data and AI companies worldwide. They will each offer you their own unique insight into what it takes to launch and scale a great data business. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Welcome to the Think Data podcast in partnership with DataWorks. And today we are here in New York with Rohan Doctor, who is the founder and CEO of Louisa.ai. Um, he is one of the headline speakers at the AI Summit, which is taking place this coming Wednesday. Um, someone I've been following uh, for a while now has got a really interesting backstory. He spent 17 years, I think just, just slightly under, at Goldman Sachs before setting up and launching Louisa. Um, it's a really compelling backstory, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of getting into this. But for those that don't know, they are a collective intelligence platform which effectively uses companies' internal data points and it creates a kind of auto creates a map of what everyone does in the company and what they know. So it's a really interesting uh, concept, a really fascinating journey today. And we're really keen for you to kind of introduce yourself, a who you are, and also who is Louisa, and ultimately what problem are they trying to solve? Yeah, no, thanks, Alex. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so basically, you know, the back, my background, as you said, is 20 years investment banking, 17 at Goldman, 10 as MD. And I really fell into the AI space um, by accident on the back of this one transaction. So there was this one really large transaction that I closed four or five years ago. And it was really, really large. And management asked, how did you do it? And how can you do it again? And the honest answer was serendipity. I met the right person at the right time internally at a water cooler. And and months later, we closed this, this big trade. Um, the second question they asked was, how can you do it again? Obviously. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and you know, I, I, I thought to myself, well, what if one could systematize serendipity with data? Mm. It's crazy that in this day and age, two adults need to be thirsty at the same time, chit chat and swap information. Mm. You know, surely there's a better way. And so that's really how Louisa was conceptualized and born. Interesting. And obviously a company of Goldman's size, you touch about serendipity. It's like, it's that chance encounter that yeah. led to this obviously huge trade that was obviously recognized or seen by management. How did you kind of take, you know, working for a large corporate Goldman's, multiple hundreds of thousands of people globally, how did you take that concept, idea, uh, kind of vision, and then begin to turn that into a business? Yeah. Um, so, so the idea was pretty clear. It's It's an everyday problem that we just assume, and I, I like I like talking about this by analogy. Mm. Um, there's some assumptions people make. Um, for years, you could go to any city in the world, um, and you could you know get out of an airport and hail a cab and get to any place in 
in that city. And it was, yep. it was fine. It worked for decades. Then Uber came along and changed the game, right? Mm. It, it, it got data to systematize serendipity. All of a sudden, you're suddenly at the right place at the right time with someone who's going to take you from point A to point B. So by analogy, people just assume if they work at any company, but any company with 100 people, let alone thousands or mm. tens of thousands, you just assume, look, I'm joining this company. I'll do my best. I interviewed with three, four people, you know, maybe a recruitment firm, yep. maybe, um, you know, the four or five people that interviewed me. And there's no way I can know everyone. No. Um, I can't deliver the, f I mean, everyone's job at most companies is to deliver the firm. Yeah. And they just, and, and just everyone knows they can't do that because you can't know what and who everyone knows, right? So what we're saying is we've changed the game but, but, but by creating a map of what and who everyone at your company knows, a digital treasure map. Yeah. For the first time ever, you can go into a company and deliver the full might of that firm. You can figure out what and who everyone knows and start connecting the dots in ways that weren't possible before. And that's really the problem we're solving. We're solving the, the everyday problem at every large company in the world, which is, you know, um, finding the right person at the right time. And it takes 20% of people's time on average. That's what McKinsey reckon. Um, some people, they say it takes 100% of my time. Others, it's like not so so often, but on average, it's 20. There's a billion knowledge workers out there spending 20% of their time hailing a cab, yeah. asking around, email blasts, Slack chats. And... You know, it's the age-old problem of knowledge sharing. And and that's that's precisely what we've finally been able to crack by creating a digital Google map of what and who everyone knows. Because Uber, just taking back to that analogy, Uber was built on Google Maps. Without that, you wouldn't figure out how to get from downtown to the Upper West Side. Yep. At a company, there is no map. Um, in fact, recruitment firms do a very good job of figuring out who the who's various who. people yep. at the various. We've all drawn that, you know, football, you know, who's, market who's midfield, yep. market mapping, That's it. that. So now you can um, digitally we create a map because with humans, new joiners, leavers, sabbaticals, mobility, the map's constantly changing, and there's no way you can tell everyone to constantly write where they where they are on the pitch. No, you need. To digitally track where everyone's on the pitch based on their business activity. Fascinating. When taking it back to kind of that light bulb moment, Goldman saw the opportunity. You saw the opportunity. Um, on on the podcast, we, we talked to a lot of founders, kind of entrepreneurs, but we have a lot of listeners who are aspirational entrepreneurs, and they're maybe trying to make those kind of first steps on taking that idea and then running with it. Obviously, for you, it's quite unique because. Goldman were this kind of, uh, were they your test case? Were they kind of your, so they were kind of gave you the opportunity. How did you take that? And, and when did Louisa become Louisa? Yeah, look, I think a lot of people give me too much credit for being brave and leaving Goldman Sachs and, you know, going and doing this. Mm. And, you know, honestly, it was, without Goldman Sachs' support, this could never have happened. And yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what I mean by that. There's no way I would have gone from being a revenue generating you know, client solution person in Hong Kong running a big team mm. to suddenly starting Louisa. So what Goldman did was give a very unique opportunity to say, hey, we'll let you build this business within the firm, yep. right? We'll fund you. We'll be your first customer. 
you'll have, you know, and, and we, we trust that you've, you've built many other businesses before and we trust you'll be able to build this. We, yeah. know, we know you're, you're not an engineer, but you're a physicist by training. And so you'll be able to get the right people and the right things. So the firm basically gave me a, uh, a one-year leash, one-year funding. Okay. And they said, look, if it works, we'll dial it up. And if it doesn't work, we'll dial it down. And, um, and then, and we called it Louisa and, and, you know, you were asking earlier about why it's, it's again, building on that systematizing serendipity theme. It's, there was this lady called Louisa who was dating this guy called Samuel 150 years ago, Okay, right? They got 155 years ago. They got married, right? And Louisa's father was Goldman and her husband was Sachs. That's uh, okay. how Goldman Sachs came together. Interesting. So serendipity is all over the place. The yeah. way the country maps are drawn, the way companies are formed, the way, you know, just everything in the world is, you know, a random walk, serendipity, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And so that that's why it, that's why it's called Louise. It also now that we spun out means, you know, it means female energy and leader energy and things yeah. like that. Anyway, so so the opportunity was really to create something within the four walls of Goldman. And if it worked, the deal was we'd let you spin it out. Okay. And they stuck true to their word. Four years later, we spun it out as an independent company. Goldman are not a shareholder for a very simple reason that we couldn't otherwise talk to some of the other very large banks. Yep. But they are our first customer. They are a permanent customer. And uh, they've had a first mover advantage in this space. And so, I can. Shall I tell you a little story about yeah, what happened after the do, first yeah. year? So basically, and I'll do this on a no names basis. But basically, Louisa read a Singapore um, newspaper about a ten billion dollar semiconductor plant being built. It figured out that Susan um, used to work at that company. Okay. From because because Louisa plugs into the HR data of the firm. Yeah. And it figured out that she was still in connection, you know, still in contact with senior management there. But she had friends there from mm. when she was in, there. And this is someone who sit, who's sitting, let's say, in London in a compliance role, not even client facing. But humans are humans. Everyone's, you know, got friends, family, went to university, has it's that three degree separation colleagues. piece, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And so she was the person with the relationship. Louisa also figured out that she didn't know Jack who's the project financing person sitting in the US. Okay. So what Louisa does is emails Jack for his expertise, connects him with Susan for her relationship, and gives them both that intel that, hey, there's something here, right here and now. Mm. And months later, they close six billion of financing. And so that's how system serendipity was systematized again. And so if you can do it once, you can do it 100 times. And that's what we're trying to do for companies at large. I think it's a really clear breakdown of what, A, the problem you're trying to solve, but also how, I know it's not simplistic, but how simplistic that process can be by connecting people up, especially in a company like Goldman, where there are people, as you say, you've got this person in London, and then actually people know people and people have knowledge as well. Do you think going back to when you struck that kind of, did that deal, then Louisa started to become a thing, was there... Was there a natural entrepreneur they were tapping into here or were you always kind of quite comfortable, not comfortable, happy 
in large corporate banks? You know, where did that kind of entrepreneurial streak come from? Yeah, sure. So, you know, yeah, look, 20 years in investment banking, 17 at Goldman, you know, pretty institutionalized <laughs> yeah. person. Yeah. Um, I would say that, uh, that said, within Goldman, I always had, hey, Ro, go and figure out the structured credit business in Holland, mm. or go and see if you can sell this into Finland, or go and start a business from scratch in Asia covering banks, which I did for 10 years. And so there were always entrepreneurial things within Goldman. There's a ton of entrepreneurial people at all, all large companies, right? Yep. Um, it's often stifling because there's so because look it's 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 um consensus driven the regulated industries and a lot of people who you have to convince so mm. i reckon actually there's a lot of what they call intrapreneurs but if if you can be an entrepreneur within a company i actually think it's easier to be an entrepreneur in the outside world interesting because because you you know in the outside world you can have a conversation and convince someone mm. right you don't within a large organization you've got to convince even though you personally like it you may not use that personal capital because you've got six other things going on and 10 other and so on and so forth yeah. so i think i think there's a bunch of really smart entrepreneurial people who are within large companies who um who 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 will who will create great companies and there are many examples of that so find so the new Obviously, as you just alluded to, Goldman were obviously are your first yes. customer. Yes, they are, you know, allowing you obviously through the structure and also through the fact they want you to grow that business. Speaking to other large corporations, how? Talk me through the steps of getting Louisa into its own, turning it into its own business. Because obviously, um, you're very active in the space. I know there's obviously been a lot of recent news about you guys, positive news. But it still involves running a business yes. and setting something up. So, so talk me through those steps. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. Um, I would say spinning out a business from a large company is um, something I would not um, highly <laughs> recommend. It's you know, it's like whack a mole. You know, there's 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 there's, there's a hundred different things that happen. You solve a tax issue, then there's an accounting issue, there's a privacy issue, there's this. But, but we did that. That's another big testament. So I think, you know, I'm pretty proud of the team um, in terms of doing a couple of things. One is taking an idea and making it an actual platform mm. that users use. Tens of thousands of people use this at, you know, various organizations now. The second is spinning it out of the firm um, where we have, you know, clean assignment of the IP and, you know, yep. this is our company and so on. And now Goldman is a customer. And then the third is, you know, we've also worked, we're working now with a $100 billion private equity and VC company. They have been a phenomenal thought partner. We have, you know, done things together. They're like, there's no other company that comes to our office every Thursday and we get on a whiteboard and we draw things Amazing. and create things. And now we're working with a large Canadian bank where it's very much the same thing. We're, we're, we're in New York. We're going to the, you know, downtown office, midtown office, drawing things. So for me, it's just, it's constantly about, teaching and learning and and cross-pollinating all those ideas and um yeah it's just it's just a really really fun business but you can't do this without a phenomenal team yeah and uh i've got a phenomenal team all my engineers my head of product my cto my my 22 engineers they sit in bangalore okay i'm there 
you know, several times a year. Mm. I'm originally from India, okay. and so that really helps. Um, and uh, and now we're creating a f- fantastic go-to-market um, team, both in London, in Asia, and in the US. So um, finally, I, I talk about Uber, but the ex-head of Uber International for HR is someone who we've recruited to run Asia. He used to, he also grew iPhone. He was at Apple okay. as, a, as an HR leader, and he grew the iPhone business. He was also the head of HR at a large commodities trading firm called Noble. So he's going to run our, our, our business. Exciting. In, in, an English guy going to run it uh, out of Asia and London for now. And then we've got someone else who's you know going to be head of North America, which is, again, something that's under wraps now, but it'll be very, very interesting. Not messing around. It's yeah. exciting times. And I, I know you're... You obviously spend a lot of time in New York. It's, it's home for you, but um, you're obviously here for the AI Summit as well. I think, as you said earlier, speaking on uh, on Wednesday, I, I'm really keen to get under the skin of kind of this the AI space at the moment because I know Louisa obviously ultimately is an AI product or, or utilizes AI technologies. Um, what are your thoughts on the current state of the market in terms of AI, both from an adoption standpoint, from a startup standpoint? How, how would you sum it up? Yeah, I'd say, I mean, it's it's a, it's, it's a one-year-old, you know, I've got three kids and right now yeah. this is the, the Louise is definitely the fourth, yeah. or, or, or as my wife says, the second wife. But, but um, you know, this whole chat GPT, open AI thing is now a year old, Yeah. right? And we've all seen all the drama that's come with it. Well, the last couple it, of weeks has been pretty hairy. Yeah. hairy. But I mean, all that aside, it's there's just so much opportunity. There's so much going on. It's complete chaos. Mm. Um, and people, entrepreneurs have to be comfortable with being, have to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. Mm, yeah. And that's something that, you know, I've, I've had to be in for a very long time and kind of doubling down on that space. But I do think that, look, again, making it, taking a step back and making it really simple. We're all wowed by what GPT 3.5, GPT 4, OpenAI can do. You can ask it any question. It can summarize things. It can answer questions. It can write stuff. It's, It's phenomenal. And basically, everyone is super excited about taking that same magic and it really does feel like magic and recreating that in the work environment and that's not going to happen no and it's not going to happen for a couple of reasons but the main one is you can take nvidia super chips yep and you can take gpt 15 right and you can put it in a large company and it's just not going to work because the thing that sam altman did was he's resold us back the internet in a very, simplifying it, in a very amazing conversational style. And the um, within a company, there isn't 30 years of public records sitting on the intranet. No. You know, there's no SharePoint. There's not investment committee members. The best data within a company, in your company, Mm. sits in your head and your six, seven people's heads, right? And it's... So... So our point of view on this is ask any question, just like you do on ChatGPT. Hey, you know, who can help me with inflation swaps in France in three years? Or who can help me with figuring out tax liabilities in Brazil? Whatever your question. And you know how GPT would write that. 
we're going to create the same thing, which is ask any question, and the answer is always going to be the same. It's going to be Alex, Ro, Cassandra, Vivek. They're the people who can answer. Yeah. And I think that, and when, when you, so within a company, I think that is a possibility. Yeah. And that's a here and now possibility. And then by recording and, and all with GDPR compliance and, you know, privacy and all the rest, but by creating that knowledge bank within the firm, basically what I'm saying is all the information sits in people's heads and ask any question and figure out which head it sits in and then figure out how to make the machine smarter. So it's, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's effectively connecting that network, isn't it? Yeah. And making sure, as you rightly say, you know, da- data is one thing, but actually knowledge is something completely different. And I, uh, I, it is funny you talk about kind of the kind of the AI space at the moment in terms of the the chaos we've seen over the last kind of couple of weeks from an open AI standpoint. What do you think that's going to do to for startups now, for people coming into the market, do you think there's going to be a bit more trepidation, a bit more nervousness around launching a product? Are they going to look at the domain-specific problem they're trying to solve? Is it going to be tech-focused? What, what, what do you think a, a culmination of? Because your product's so unique, and obviously it's you know you've identified that and you're going to master it. But what do you think it will be? You know, I think I think. The honest answer is no one knows the answer and having that as your true north is a really good thing to yep. have. Everyone's got to give it a shot, mm. right? And if you're just willing to, you know, you know, I was watching the David Beckham documentary, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and he was one of the first people who scored a goal from... The halfway line, yeah. Exactly. And so that that's very rare. Mm. You've got to just go towards the goal and keep shooting, just keep taking shots and eventually something will get yeah. in. And so I think people just need to take shots at it. You know, um, Slack charted as some weird video game with giants and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then it ended up becoming like the intercompany communication channel. And then it got bought. Yeah. Place. You know, things change. They evolved, don't you they? Know, Amazon started as a bookstore and that's making all this money from AWS, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Um, Louisa's starting where it's starting um, and we're mastering that space. But you know, there's just so much skill. And I, I love tup- tapping into founder energy. Mm. And, I, and I must say, one of the things that I'm very, very big on is paying it forward. So the way Goldman Sachs helped someone like myself um, create a business by giving me some shelter and funding it and taking it to the next level. In the same way, I've told everyone at Louisa, you're all going to start your own companies at some point, should you wish to. And we're going to fund it. We're going to be your customer yep. and we're going to be uh, one or two of our people will be your co-founders and we'll create companies that all work towards that same direction because it takes a village. Right? It definitely does. ChatGPT wouldn't be working without, you know, various Uber wouldn't work without Google Maps. Google yep. Maps wouldn't work without, you know, some satellites up there, etc. So it's all it's all about working it and putting it all in the same direction. I like that. It's kind of giving them, as you said, the leg up, that platform that you benefited from. And yeah. you talk about kind of creating or promoting the next cohort of founders uh, in your current firm. You know, we have a lot of people listening here who do have kind of aspirations to launch, uh, conceive and launch a business. But what kind of advice do you offer them? You know, they've got the product idea or they've got the idea. You know, you've obviously learned through making mistakes and uh, you know, doing things right. But what advice would you offer them? 
Oh, one serious, serious piece of advice, and I would like almost have like zero deviation away from this, is for them to work backwards from the customer and find out who is willing, not who thinks it's a great idea. Everyone thinks everything's a great idea. Of course right? they do. Yeah. yeah. Because they're just saying that to be polite to you on your face. Mm. Find out who is willing to part with money for this idea, right? Start with that. If you found one person who part with money and say, if you build that, I will pay you for this as a customer, right? If they can get that, the rest of it can fall into place. Like what I've told all my people is find one customer. Oh, you, Louisa for university. I've got people come to me saying, oh, what about a Louisa for universities? A Louisa for the you know AI job market? A Louisa for the investor? Yeah, find someone who'll pay for it, right? And don't bother going and raising $25 million, uh, which will take you a long time and sitting down with 40 people. And like <laughs> you'll have 100 no's and then six yeses. Then interviewing 100 people, yeah. right? And then six yeses to, you know, the same thing. So first you've got to find the money. Then you've got to find the people. Then you've got to build a product. And then you think about selling the product. Yeah, It's almost insane. Like find someone who is willing to pay for the product and then just come to me because I've already built it and I'll sell you that part of the product and you can just literally monetize that and that can become part of your business. I think it's some really good advice because I think you probably touched on a point we're at currently in this market where valuations, investor activity, there's, there was probably up to about six months ago, a lot of money flying around for companies that aren't making any money. They have no customers. They are you know, tens of twenties of millions of dollars of investment, but with no ARR, no go-to-market, have a great idea. Do you think the probably recent market conditions has probably reset expectations now? You know, as, as you rightly alluded to, I think getting money out of people is harder now. The cost of money is far more expensive. Do you think that's probably, we, we've now kind of reset and go, hang on a minute, let's, let, 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 let's slow down a little bit here. Who is your customer? Completely, yeah. completely. I mean, interest rates are not going down anytime soon. No. Um, and every week, you know, the market will think they're going up, they're going down, and the equities will go up and down and so mm. on and so forth. But basically, um, the the there's there's just a whole new paradigm yeah and that paradigm is going to be there's going to be consolidation so we frankly we just bought a company okay there was a great company they raised a bunch of money they built something pretty good they ran out of money founder had to get a job wow and you know, it was from 10 people to two people. And before it hit no people, we took the technology with one of the main people, bought it, right? Give them stock in Louisa, yep. right? And now we've got a one plus one equals three situation. There are many other companies like that. There's going to be consolidation. I think people just need to constantly do deals that make value, yep. you know, and constantly try and find the one plus one equals three type equations, because they're out there. There's a asymmetry somewhere where there's some things that you can do so easily that I really need. And by you and me doing them together, we can do it better. Yeah. And, we, and that's, in a sense, what Louise is trying to do at the company level. But I just believe that in almost every aspect of what we do, including how we pay people, who we hire, who our customers are, who our vendors are, 
it's all about partnerships and figuring out the win-wins, including with our customers. Yeah, Our customers need us as much as we need them. And it's a partnership. You know? Well, it sounds like that because I think you, you alluded to the VC investment firm who are in every Thursday whiteboarding. It sounds like you've got these trusted partners, paying partners who actually genuinely want a, the best view, but equally, they want the best possible product for them. So I think it's a win-win on that. It's a huge win-win. I was running through the numbers today with someone, and I said, you know what? Um, you've given us about $100,000, mm. right? And you may not realize this, but this year, we've spent $600,000 on you. Wow. You know? Okay. Because I'm doing my annual accounts. We've spent $600,000. i am not saying that because I'm not super grateful <laughs> for the fact that you've given us 100000 mm. But know that you've done something great for your company because you've from that hundred thousand got six hundred thousand worth of work that's been done on the back of twenty million worth of technology, right? Yeah. But now we will be able to in the future monetize that hopefully with mm. fifteen other customers. So it's a win for us too. So everything has its own win and its own place in the market. And it's about finding that, but being very real about What's the economics for that that party? What's the economics for us? And finding things where it's not a win-lose or a lose-lose, which is what every war is about, yeah. but a win-win. And that's what we've got to try and find more of in the world at large. Absolutely. I like that. And I, I want to kind of close things off with the plans. I know you've obviously got some pretty... Well, one hire, pretty exciting hire to announce. You've also got Asia being launched or, or growing that go-to-market piece over there. From a technology platform standpoint, um, what you're allowed to say, please do. You know, what can people expect? Because we're obviously going to tag, we'll share um, some links to Louisa so everyone can see the product, understand what it is. But what, what, what exciting things have you got in the pipeline over the next kind of three, six, 12 months? Yeah, sure. Um, in three months' time, that thing where I said you can ask any question and yep. get an answer that's going to be up and running. Um, we've got a private LLM model disconnected from the internet, super secure, encrypted at rest, all the you know full regulatory kind of works. Um, in for the next year, I've promised my you know personal advisory board mm. um, to only stick to finance, right? Because that's kind of the space we know, we've already got, you know, several customers in that space. Yeah. But I don't see Louisa um, having one exit. I think it'll have six exits. Yeah. And what I mean by that is there's a billion knowledge workers on the planet. And those knowledge workers generally aren't sole proprietors. They work in groups, yeah. companies. Little squads. And little, little squads pods, and yeah. groups and so on. And, you know, our fo we're focusing on any organization with a hundred to a thousand to tens of that, like hundred plus people. Yep. And we're going to focus on finance. And I know, you know, even though my brother's a, a doctor, I know, I know very little about the healthcare system. There are needs for people to collaborate, you know, when someone's Completely. sick, you know, there's the head doctor, the arm doctor, they need to all coordinate. It's almost a project when you have a relative in hospital, right? Completely. One doctor doesn't talk to the other, doesn't talk to the other. You're suddenly Googling stuff and figuring it out on the fly, asking about, you know, acronyms and levels that you don't really know <laughs> yeah. about. But you so. have to, you've got to be the project manager and figure all of that out. Mm. Um, it'd be so cool if you could figure out who's the right person at the right time to ask that. So, for example, there might be, I don't know, a large, a big four 
management consulting firm or uh, you know the McKinsey's of this world. Imagine if they could take Louisa and you know refactor it for healthcare. Yeah, that I don't think that's my, I don't have a right to win in that space. Mm. But someone who has a lot of healthcare tech understanding has a right to win there. You could take that out. They yeah. don't have to build it again. They just have to find the customer and create the business. A business. Everyone thinks in startup world that a business is um, basically funding. It's not. No. Press doesn't matter. The funding doesn't matter. The PR doesn't matter. The blogs don't matter. The only thing that matters in a business is a stream of customer revenues and customers who are willing to pay it. So start from there. Figure out if there's real customer demand and then just fit bits of the jigsaw to make that happen. So I see us having... We'll focus on finance and legal and consulting are kind of close enough. But healthcare, fashion, you know, LVMH has 80 companies underneath. Yeah. There's a lot of things. We've got some big fashion investors in our cap table who are saying, wow, one day we want to take it there. I'm like, great. Find a co-founder and CEO who's passionate about this space. And spin it out. And, and spin it out. Mm. We're going we're gonna to create spin outs and we're going to create... Um, I've never th actually thought about it like that. Yeah, but yeah we're going to do spin out. So just, just you do, can keep that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's from Goldman, so yeah, yeah. we're going to keep that that playbook. That's exciting, Rohan. I've really enjoyed it. Um, really fascinating concept product, but obviously it's a it's a concept that's needed. It's a concept that's obviously bringing results, a lot of attention, and. Uh, yeah, it's been my pleasure to have you on. I'm looking forward to obviously uh, hearing your speech on uh, on Wednesday as well. So thanks so, so much for your time this afternoon. It's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Alex. And, you know, Alex, given that you're in the recruitment space mm. on AI, you know, one thing I would I would kind of put out there to people is, you know, I often get people interviewing and, and, and you've, you, you hit it on the head. The world has changed. Mm. Interest rates are higher. You know, the world's changing. It's all about people think that the company exists to pay them a salary so they can pay their rent and they can do this and do that and whatever it is. It's, it's not, it's the other way around. They're there to create revenues for the company and co-share in those revenues, right? And that's something that we've, we're creating. We're creating a platform where people can, you know, if the company doesn't make money, they won't make money. But if the company makes money, they can make so much money because they're sharing in that revenue stream yeah. direct. Forget about, you know, exits and, um, you know, oh, this this stuff vesting over this time and what if we become a unicorn? Because, you know, the chances of all of that are pretty slim. Yeah. What, but what's here and now is the revenues. And if you can co-share in revenues in a big way, there's, there's just a huge amount of opportunity. It's a little bit like, you know, how Goldman used to be. Yeah. You know, an MD would have a very low base and a huge bonus, mm. right? You're talking about back in the day, you'd have a forty to $80,000 base. Yeah. And then everything else on top was bonus. And and now people just want post-financial crisis, all the bonuses went up because you could, sorry, all the bases went up because, uh, and so now everyone's just used to these high bases and they, it's, it's a lifestyle. It's like a clipping the coupon, but you're yeah. not, you're not taking that. You've got to be aligned with the business. There's a huge opportunity to grow if you can, if you've got a platform where you're going to get a sliver of the here and now revenue. And that's the way I'd urge people to start, you know, thinking about their careers. I like it. What a perfect time to end. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Ryan. It's been Take a pleasure. Care. Thank Cheers. you. Bye.